Hey there, welcome to the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Terhune. Joining me once again on the program is Isaac Lanford. Hello, Brent. Our topic at hand is the SNL movies. Uh, I know you're just a big fan of SNL overall, but that that's just a broad top. That's a whole podcast. That's a whole podcast series. Yeah, that's a lot to cover. Which I'm sure there's probably by now a, an SNL podcast. Yeah, you would think so, and I bet I would enjoy that. I like listening to people nerd out about it. Yeah, especially when you, you, it's like you watch season three, uh, episode two, and you, you can't just really go to your friend and be like, hey, guess what I watched? Weird episode, yeah. you know. Uh, so that's what podcasting in general is just like. If I'm watching a movie series that nobody cares about, why am I going to try and bore my friend with it? So. This is what that this episode is, but for the SNL movies, apparently. <laughs> now that I'm talking about it, oh, I, you're a big SNL fan. What was you know your introduction to SNL? When I was a kid, we lived in the country and we only had the antenna channels. So yep. the Farmer Four uh, it was actually six channels, but you know the Farmer and... Four was my least favorite Marvel comic book. <laughs> <laughs> They uh, at some point the NBC affiliate got the rights to show syndicated SNL, okay. and they got at this point. It, I mean, we're probably talking about like nineteen eighty seven, eighty nine, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they started showing all of it. So I saw the original five years, the Eddie Murphy years, and what was the modern era mm-hmm. at the time, all at once, pretty much. Okay. And dove in, and my dad and my mom were both big fans of the show, and so we watched it a lot as a family. Um, did you did you gravitate towards a certain cast member? Yeah, as far as like the really early stuff, the first comedian in general who grabbed me was the Andy Kaufman guest spots. Okay, because I could I just could tell even as a kid that he was doing something so much different than what everybody else was doing, mm-hmm. and then. Like I, on the original like cast, like the first five years, I liked Bill Murray and John Belushi a lot, mm-hmm. and Gilda Rat. I, I mean, they're all great, really. And then, uh, what was the modern era at the time? Phil Hartman was the guy. Like, yeah. I mean, he was to me. And it's funny because I'm such a character based guy, and he, that wasn't necessarily what he did the best. Mm-hmm. But his talent was, and he was also part of Pee Wee's Playhouse, which was like happening right around the same time I was watching. So he, uh, he got me real quick. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird. Cause what, what year was that? Like, I don't know, 90 something. He was only on the first season of Pee Wee, but I used to watch that HBO special, the Pee Wee Herman show mm-hmm. all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. And so it's all kind of meshed up. I don't know what that, when I was actually watching the episodes, but it was probably like 88. So I was born okay. in 82. So if I was like seven or so, that would make sense. Yeah. It's weird. Cause I was born in 89 and you know, I know Phil Hartman and I think he's funny and I more so I know Phil Hartman from on the Simpsons being Troy mm-hmm. McClure yeah. and um, the Lionel Hutz, the, the yeah. lawyer. And I know him from Jingle All the Way, and that, like, <laughs> I just want to get around a whole bunch of nerd comics and just be like, oh yeah, he was great in Jingle All the Way. Uh, so I, I've seen the sketches, of course, in hindsight, but it's just weird that I I was never he's never been a, my guy, but I can appreciate how funny he was. 
Yeah. And I mean, in that era too, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, like were mm-hmm. as far as pure character sketch comedians. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. And especially I love the Austin Powers movies. Yeah. I like the first two. <laughs> I don't know about that third one. The third but... one is could be my favorite, and I know it's really. Like, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's the, that's like me telling you that I know Phil Hartman from Jingle All the Way, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was about something about that movie where I saw it in the theater, and I've since rewatched it because I was like, it's PG thirteen. I don't know if it's still funny, and it's still I don't know something about it still makes me laugh. But that whole series does anyway. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm a I'm a big fan of Mike Myers and the way he does characters. Like he, he's dependent, like he leans heavily on like catchphrases and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but his characters are three dimensional. Is So yeah. What, so what's the way he does a character? How's that different in your opinion than Dana, Dana Carvey then? I think Dana Carvey does much more like caricature style characters. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, just a, it is what it is. His character looks like this, mm-hmm. he's, and he has these catchphrases that he works towards, mm-hmm. and he's really good at navigating those and going to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Mike Myers seems to put a little more thought into where the character came from mm-hmm. and who they have relationships with <clears throat> and that sort of thing. Almost like he created a, sh- a show bible, a character Absolutely, bio. Yeah. Yeah. Of, um, so w- when you do a character, because you have a ton, especially with your show and podcast evening with the authors, is that how you approach doing a character? Yeah, I, I try to always know, like, you know, it takes a few times of doing a character, like, and sometimes ideas start somewhere and they end up somewhere else. But I like to know, and I usually build it through improv some family members' names. I want to mm-hmm. know what occupations they've had. Uh, I ideally want to be able to hit a full range of emotions within that character. Mm-hmm. That, cause that's, and I've done characters and I've written, you know, in my head or on paper, here's, you know, what this guy's about. But then to say, what's, what's he like when he's sad? What's he like when he's mad to consciously think of that is, uh, you know, something I had never really thought of till now. Yeah. And it generally, I try not to overthink it too much because then it may not be, it might not work in performance Mm -hmm. because sometimes you'll have an idea and it just doesn't work in what the character ends up becoming. And so a lot of times, like I can remember the first time two different characters that I do a lot, Bobby Grabowski, I do one evening with the authors and then my character Harvey Rosencrantz that I do for the Wowie Zowie show and Burlesque Bali, who the first time each of those characters laughed mm-hmm. was like a breakthrough. I'm like, oh, that's what his laugh sounds like? Yeah. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, like, so much just from the laugh can tell you about the rest of the character. Yeah. Like with and, with your character that you probably your longest running character is a guy named Jasper T. Colbert. Yeah. Uh, and he's... Uh, I don't know how you would describe a redneck. I don't know what what is he. Yeah, it, I White mean, trash it, redneck because to to me those are two different things. Yeah, essentially, I think redneck is, and that's where it started. But I've been doing that character for nineteen years now, yeah. and so it 
he's a weird more than anything he's like a, a con man okay. he's a fast talking lying carny. uh yeah he's a carny type exactly yeah. so he's worked in music and he's worked in comedy and he's mm-hmm. worked in all these different fields and he's just hustling all the time and bullshitting and pushing and it's definitely like a redneck character because mm-hmm. that's the background of the character and in the more recent years, like probably five to six years or so, I've taken him to where I call it, it's like the woke Jasper era where he's really into existentialism and <laughs> uh, the Illuminati and these different things because it gives him something to talk about and sound like he has information mm-hmm. and can speak above other people. I love conspiracy theorists. Uh, there's always like something that they, they got in the works, but they can't talk about. Yeah. Or he's like, yeah, yeah. We, got, we got something. To, of course you can't tell us because then we'll realize what you're saying is bullshit. So you have to say, yeah, we got some stuff in the works. Yeah, that's also why whenever you see people speaking the truth on social media, you can't understand what they're saying because mm-hmm. of all the jargon, lingo, yeah. and abbreviations and acronyms that they're using. Because they're really only talking to those other people who think the same thing mm-hmm. as them. It's not to enlighten me, the general yeah. public. Yeah, see the QAnon and the Anonymous and the Antifa and yeah. the, and a, like they're just throwing out all these terms. Well, that we I think we have a mutual person that we've talked about that's here yeah. in the yeah. Indianapolis comedy scene, and I've I've not unfriended him, but I unfollowed him because every every thing that that happens is always it's it's not necessarily a gun grab, but it's always like a false flag or something. He's always like, it's not as it appears. And I'm, yeah. But I'm like, where did you pull that video clip from, <laughs> you know? And I'm no more enlightened at the end of your manifesto that you just typed out. Like, they call, like, a bunch of people who are, like, evidently, like, secret government agents. They just call them by a nickname or their last name. Like, I know who the fuck they're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you didn't know anything about SNL and you're just like, you know, Farley. Yeah, like, what? exactly. So uh, your character, Jasper T. Colbert, what kind of car does he drive? Jasper does not drive. Oh, he does not drive. No, um, he hitches. He hitches. What? Uh, what's his go-to soundtrack if he's putting a CD in a, somebody's car? Uh, if he were putting a CD into somebody's car, it would probably be a CDR that he's been carrying around that's a mix. <laughs> and it is Ted Nugent, Cat Scratch Fever. It definitely has songs from Kid Rock's Devil Without... Uh, what was it called? Devil without, Devil a, without a cause. Yeah. Yeah. Devil without a cause. Definitely some tracks off of that. And then mostly music of bands that he's managing and trying to get you to listen to. <laughs> what, what kind of bed does Jasper sleep on? Wherever. Okay. That's the thing is like, it's, that's a fun, if you're trying to build a character, just have somebody interview you to build that character. Yeah. Cause you, and that, we would do, uh, I do a character class every once in a while and I do these improvised interview segments with people once they've come up with a basic idea Mm -hmm. because having to answer on the spot like that. And that's uh, in the early days of Jasper, we did like a a mockumentary and we did these long interview segments Mm -hmm. and that way we could laugh and we could cut it and we could whatever. But that really built a lot of the mythos of the characters Mm -hmm. and their relationships to each other and that sort of thing, because just, being pressured and having to come up with the answer. Mm-hmm. So I still utilize the interview a lot. Well, and I've seen those, uh, the, I think you're referencing that it's called the devil's brew tapes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. and I, 
would show the the one where you met the it's Devil's Brew meets the Wolf Man. Yeah. And I just that's an inside joke between me and my friends to say, Jasper, you ain't no fucking Wolf Man. <laughs> this makes me laugh uh, every time. Uh, just that's an interesting side joke. So, um, about out of all these SNL movies, is there one that pops out to you right off the bat? I think Wayne's World. Yeah. I think that's the quintessential SNL movie. And yeah, that's when I was just doing research that that seemed to be the one that everybody, you know, gravitated towards even though I'm I'm biased just to me mine has always been the Blues Brothers. Yeah, and you know, this is how big of a nerd I am though is that a lot of people don't consider the Blues Brothers to be an SNL movie. Uh, well, I can I can see that I did, but aren't the characters from SNL essentially? Yeah, but the story as I've heard it is that they were characters that Belushi and Aykroyd came up with mm-hmm. that they had a hard time getting on the show. Okay, the first time they appeared, they did them as bumblebees, mm-hmm. and then they did end up doing them on the show after that. But they made the movie like Lorne Michaels had nothing to do with the production of the okay. Movie. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, and it became, essentially, the story goes that he was like, never again is that going to happen. Where people are like, they're busy when they could be working on SNL stuff, and I'm not getting a piece of it, and they're using something that got recognition from from SNL. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why it changed, and he kind of took more control in later years. Uh, why do you think we've not had more SNL movies? Because it feels like, you know, you've got a platform uh, every Saturday night to get somebody familiar with these characters. And then it seems like you've already done the the legwork of introducing a character by the time the movie's in theaters. You know, I don't know. I would be interested to see box office numbers and that sort of thing, because you would have to think if they were making money off of them, that they would be doing them. Yeah. That's a, that's the thing is if, if it's good or bad, if the money's there, who doesn't want to make more money? Because there were quite a few years. I'm, I'm guessing like what in chronological order, it probably was ladies man. And then nothing else until MacGruber. I think so. That cause MacGruber is the latest one, right? And that's, I mean, yeah, that's that been a while. 2010. So it's been 10 years. Yeah. They're, there has to be, uh, maybe it's that, like, yeah, fell out of favor in some sort of way with some of the studios they worked with or something and mm-hmm. can't get the full financing to, to pull one off. But you would think with, like, Netflix and these things or, like, NBC streaming service that they would produce a movie out of these. Like, mm-hmm. It is, it's a, there's got to be a simple answer to it. And, it, you know, it, I don't know. Maybe the the thing is not a movie anymore. Maybe it's just to to go on to make a series like Portlandia, where yeah, the guy spent time on SNL and now he can branch off to his own thing. And that probably is more lucrative because Lorne Michaels is executive producer of almost all of those shows, mm-hmm. and so it's probably just an easier thing to do than to produce a movie and go through all mm-hmm. of that where you partner up with other people and get the show going. Your names on it. I mean, I think right now Lorne Michaels. He, I mean, there's SNL, but then he also is the executive producer of The Tonight Show and uh, Late Night. Wow, I mean, I didn't know that, but totally when you say that, it makes sense. 
mm-hmm. you know, Seth Meyers and and uh, Fallon. It's that's yep. crazy. He's almost like the a, a Vince McMahon of comedians. Yeah, I mean, his stable is huge. Yeah, well, and then he's reaching out and making more deals with other people mm-hmm. and other you know movies and TV shows. It's it's uh, when you when you think about this list, I sent you a list, but also just overall in the. SNL movies, who's appeared the most, do you think? Would it be uh, Will Ferrell? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, I'm, I'm trying to scroll through this list here and, and see, uh, you know, it might be Dan Aykroyd. Could be Dan Aykroyd. Uh, is the movie Crossroads an SNL movie? <laughs> <laughs> or like, uh, you know, I think Chris Parnell is in a lot of those so uh, you'd have to maybe break it down as far as leading roles or significant roles. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking like Chris Farley is in a couple of these, but then I'm also, there are so many movies that aren't SNL vehicles. They're just Chris Farley movies. Right. Yeah. Because he doesn't have his own no. SNL movie. He was in, I, I tried to watch uh, at least all these movies. I wasn't able to get to all of them, but also I didn't have, you know, I paid to watch McGruber, but also yeah. I was like looking to see what other movies I could watch for free, and I couldn't watch uh, It's Pat. Did, did you ever see that one? I did see It's Pat, and now I'm looking at this. It was in 1994. I probably saw it in 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember my mom rented it on VHS, and I just remember that it was bad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an educated opinion, and I was also like 12 years old, Mm -hmm. but I remember distinctly not enjoying that movie. I I didn't see the movie, but I watched the trailer, and in this article, they they wanted um, Julius Sweeney to reprise the role in 2016 to be on (laughs) Today, like the Today Show, I think is what they mean, and she was like, it just seems uh, inappropriate at this time. And then I go back and watch the trailer, and there's a guy pursuing her the whole movie, or it, pursuing it, you know? And yeah. he's like, "I, as God is my witness, I will find out the mystery of Pat. <laughs> and there's like a scene of like some guys in jail, and they're like, are you a brother or a sister? <laughs> just like, oh man, this is <laughs> so yeah, not, not going to hold up well at all. No. No, even though I thought those sketches were really funny, because it's always a, you ask a direct question, and then she'll, you know, even in the trailer, she goes up to a clerk and is like, uh, I need some feminine pads, and then there's a beat, and he's like, you never know when my aunt so-and-so is going to be in town, so it's like, yeah, everybody leans in for the answer, and then it's a, you know, left turn. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I tried to find yeah. the movie Pat, but from what I read and what you say, it wouldn't have been worth my time anyway. Yeah. I mean, how do you turn that idea into an entire movie? Yeah. Cause I asked you before and I asked Facebook, I was like, if you're going to take a character and give them their own movie and I'm thinking, and I'm like, a lot of these are sketch characters because the joke is the joke and there's not much more to it than that. Yeah, whereas something like Wayne Campbell, throughout the sketches, you met, like, there was some sort of relationship with his mom because he was in her basement. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they had Garth's mom. 
mm-hmm. on the show, and then various other people from their universe could appear or they could reference or whatever. Mm-hmm. So taking them out of the basement into the rest of their world wasn't that big of a stretch. Yeah. Well, and, and the joke wasn't really on Wayne and Garth. They, right. It was like they, they provided the vehicle for jokes as opposed to Pat just being, I don't know, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that's, I, when we're talking about this, it, to me, it's an interesting char- character study. Yeah, I if if I were the person, if I was Julia Sweeney, and they said let's make a Pat movie, I probably would have been like, "Are we sure about this? Like, <laughs> yeah. what what do we all expect to happen with this? Yeah, is it that this is my one shot to make a movie, and if it's bad, I never get to be in anything again because it's going to be bad? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, our next one on the list, and we can jump all over. We can talk about these two together. We already kind of touched on Blues Brothers, but Blues Brothers two thousand. Yeah, that movie is a piece of shit. I, I it came out in ninety eight, so I saw it like probably a year after on VHS and even as a kid I'm like, yeah, this is not good. It was so bad and that they they just tried to recreate the first movie almost like beat for beat. Mm-hmm. And then they they accidentally bump into James Brown as the same preacher again. <laughs> it's, uh, I think we, you and I talked about this on a previous podcast, but it's home alone too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just so And it's like the landscape they're driving around in Canada, obviously <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. And uh, they have a kid in the movie. Well, and the, you know, if you have to replace, uh, what's this? John Belushi, but man, I feel bad for whoever has to do that. And yeah, it was and John Goodman and a kid, and then the police chief guy. Like, and it still just didn't work. It's so bad. And I guess what we have to understand is that in Dan Aykroyd's head, there was a whole life to the Blues Brothers outside of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, they opened for the Grateful Dead. Like, they put out albums they did Mm -hmm. that and then after john died there were years where they would do blues brothers shows with jim belushi as Mm -hmm. a different character i don't know what his character's name was i don't know how john goodman got involved and so the idea that elwood blues would continue performing as the blues brothers with different people isn't ludicrous if you're thinking of him as a real person Mm -hmm. well and real life bands have done that you know yeah it's so all that's not ridiculous because dan Aykroyd really i remember watching there was a blues brothers like vhs edition that came out where it had a interview segment as a bonus feature that was modern day dan Aykroyd interviewing elwood blues okay and he really, like, they, you know, at the end of the Blues Brothers, it says Jake and Elwood as themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, they really went deep with these characters and tried to let them have their own identities. So I don't hate the idea that he continued to do Blues Brothers without Belushi. Mm-hmm. It's just that that many years later and that bastardized of an idea, mm-hmm. it just was, a, oh, man. Well, and the, the Blues Brothers came out in 1980, and then... Blues Brothers 2000 came out in 1998. Uh, 
Yeah. So you have 18 years. Yeah, I think Ackroyd was kind of probably lost at the time trying to figure out what the hell his career was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and then also it wasn't like Arabadu, Erica Badu, some kind of alien or supernatural thing. Oh God, I don't even remember that. And I just I, remember Johnny laying in a laundromat. That's the main thing I remember. <laughs> like the and the thing is with that movie, the performances aren't bad. I like as far as music goes, that's good. Yeah. But it's the the storyline. Yeah, it's just a piece of shit. And if we're talking about both, the first Blues Brothers is one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah, I mean That's, I love that movie. Uh, could be you know one of my when I say top ten movies for me, it's in there, and it's definitely most one of the most quoted. Yeah, uh, and it's just so good, man. I met very very briefly. I met the director John Landis, and that was like a big thing for me. I was at mm-hmm. a comic convention. And we actually had a table where we were uh, selling our Devil's Brew DVDs, and I was as Jasper most of the time <laughs> hanging out. And John Landis actually came over to the booth and was real nice and talking, and he, we gave him some stuff, and he took some stickers and some different things. And everybody was freaking out. They're like, that's the guy that directed Superman. <laughs> I'm like, nah, man, that's yeah. the guy that directed Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, yeah. <laughs> it's That's how you know when you're a fan of somebody when everybody's like – uh, they're talking like talking to Peter Jackson. They're like, "Oh, I yeah, Lord of the Rings," and then I don't, I'm you know, I can't pull up a, a obscure Peter Jackson movie out. But if you're like, "Oh, King you know, Kong," yeah, King Kong. That's, that's not even but... <laughs> obscure, but it's like, uh, I'm sure he would rather talk about you know King Kong than Lord of the Rings. But may, maybe not. I don't know. I tell you what, he doesn't want to talk about is those fucking Hobbit movies, <laughs> which I haven't seen. I was like, I'm good. I saw, I saw, uh, 13 hours of a one story. I don't need to see the rest of them. Yeah, the the book that's a third of the size of all the other ones, but they made three movies out of it. Yeah, it's uh, Spaceballs Two: The Search for More Money. <laughs> yeah. It's um, a, it is the Blues Brothers 2000 of <laughs> Hobbit movies. Yeah, the, just Blues Brothers. It's so the just from like a young age that was just a movie that I knew. Uh, and for a while, I didn't even know they were SNL characters. <laughs> That's how. Yeah. Like I, I didn't know, but just the music in there, um, and I love like uh, it wasn't made in eighty, but I'll call it like a seventies like cars are metal stuff yeah. has corners, you know, like uh, just it's just gritty look looking. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feels like Chicago, like it. It uh. It's just a solid movie. Like, they had the characters fleshed out. The storyline is great. It's ridiculous with the Nazis, and, like, Mm -hmm. it's silly, but the storyline makes sense, Mm -hmm. and it flows, and the writing is tight. What's wild is to think about how much of an entire era of comedy was written by Dan Aykroyd. Oh, yeah. Then, I mean... Look, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like, I mean, he fell off hard. Mm-hmm. And it's like know. he just lost his funny. Like, just nothing he would. After a while, nothing he was putting out was funny. Was so? Would you? Is there a a character or you know a person throughout history that's maintained funny from start to finish? I think Steve Martin's still pretty solid. Yeah, and it could be, you know, maybe. Maybe because he hasn't made something, but he's also what seventy, you know? Yeah, uh, Bill Murray, I think, is Bill also Murray. really. I mean, 
everybody has duds in their career, mm-hmm. you know, but I think still just funny. It's just weird when you see Dan Aykroyd now, it's just, it's like he lost a piece along the way. Mm-hmm. It just isn't the same. And it might be that he was like such a uh, kind of rebel type mm-hmm. that once he got comfortable and a little bit of, you know, money weight and stuff, he yeah. it just slowed him down and it changed the way he approached <clears throat> things and it, it changed what made him as funny as he was. That's even, you know, c- to compare it to directing and more so, you know, horror movies, John Carpenter had a heyday. And then there's mm-hmm. just a point where you watch it and you're like, this is just not what he used to be. Yeah. Um, I'd, yeah, that would be a fun question to to just think about is who's maintained the funny throughout their whole career. I think John Cleese. John Cleese. Yeah. Um, man, I don't I was thinking like I would say Eddie Murphy, but I don't know if you count the family movies too, like. I yeah, I, I guess, you know, the hard thing about a career like Eddie Murphy's is can we judge Dr. Doolittle next to coming to America? Yeah, they're two completely different genres. And so for me to say that Dr. Doolittle or Daddy Daycare aren't funny yeah, is like, a... well, it's for children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, because he uh, just hosted SNL recently and from what I saw was still just as funny. Yeah, he was very funny. You, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but watching him on SNL, you could tell that he was like, obviously out of practice doing live performance in that way, Mm -hmm. but he has such natural ability to do it. Mm -hmm. He's still able to pull off and he like missed cues and flubbed some lines and that sort of thing. But he probably didn't obsess over it the way another host will either because he knows what are my lines. Give them to me. I'll read the cue cards. I know these characters and I'll bang it out. And if it's a little sloppy, like, you know, whatever, he has done this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I think Chappelle just career wise from start to finish, you know, it's not over, but uh, there's not been a dud. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Chappelle has stuff early in his career that wasn't great as far as like some movies and different things like that. But the stuff that's like really his stuff Mm -hmm. has been pretty solid. Yeah, I don't know. Fun question. Um, I guess, you know, we can talk about Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2, which I think that's what besides Blues Brothers was the only one to have a sequel, I think. That's probably true. I would imagine so. I'm thinking, uh, you know, um, I'm going to, if this list is definitive that we have here, this is 11 movies yeah. and I, I can't think of any outside of it. So this probably is the definitive list. Wayne's world, I think is very funny. I've, I've watched it, you know, every few years for my whole life, basically. Mm-hmm. Like I've probably seen it once every five years at least. Yeah. And it's funny. And a lot of the jokes are, they've been redone. One issue with Mike Myers is that Mike Myers will reuse bits. So you'll get a bit that you already saw on SNL on an episode of Wayne's World Mm -hmm. in the Wayne's World movie. Mm -hmm. But then you might also in Austin Powers 2 or 3 see a bit that you saw in Wayne's World 2. Like uh, to me, the bits that are always funny to me in Austin Powers are like 
they're climbing the ladder and Dr. Evil's pants falls down. Uh, and, and he's like, I used to think you're crazy, but now I can see your nuts type. Yeah. Like where it's, it's not even a, like a dad joke, but he plays it for, he's like, ah, thank you. Like that kind of, and, and again, that's just, it's a funny joke, you know? Yeah. He, uh, in Wayne's world two, they're getting the permit from Kevin Pollack and he has the wonky eye mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Wayne can't quit mentioning it. Then in whatever, Austin Powers movie, Fred Savage has the mole, the mole. It's and a, it's the exact same yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you, mole. Yeah, where it's like the same bit, but not. Yeah. I don't even know what you would, uh, you know, adjacent bits. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, I guess you would call it style. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, he has an arsenal, and he, he mm-hmm. digs into it. When he was doing, uh, did you see the gong show? They did a couple no, of No, but he was that character, right? Yeah, and not advertised as Mike Myers at all. He's doing the character, and he's doing an English character, but he dipped into calling the audience Cheeky Monkeys, which mm-hmm. was his Simon character on <laughs> SNL, the kid in the bathtub. That was his line, yeah. was calling the the viewers Cheeky Monkeys. That's funny. It's, and is he doing much of anything anymore? It seems like, I mean, he probably doesn't have to. No, that that's the thing is, it's always weird when people are like, I, yeah, I can't believe he sold out. I'm like, I cannot wait till I can sell out. You know? I think my guess is those three Austin Powers movies were very draining on him mm-hmm. creatively because he would like, he starred in them, played multiple characters, wrote them all that. I, it had to have been because after those three, he made like the love guru, which I've never seen. I like it. I think it gets a lot of flack. But I liked it, and then you know what role probably really took it out of him was the Cat in the Hat. Oh yeah, oh man, I didn't even see it, but I heard I heard it's not good. But I don't, and that I, was his last like starring role in a movie, I think. Well, Shrek. Oh shit! I, I've completely I wasn't even thinking about Shrek. Oh, never mind. Mike Myers never has to work again. <laughs> and that's the thing is like I wouldn't have thought about Shrek at all anyway. But the the movies aren't for me, but they're good movies. Yeah, I, I mean, my kids watched those. I don't know what year they came out, but my kids are nine and six, and they watched all those Shrek and the Shrek cartoons on Netflix and all that. Like, I've seen all the Shrek stuff, and it's it's funny, you know. If for kids stuff, it's solid. Yeah, and it, do you th- was it? It wasn't Mike Myers doing the voice on the Netflix cartoons, was it? I doubt it. It definitely yeah. wasn't Eddie Murphy. Shrek came out in two thousand one. 2001 okay yeah so they probably had all been out by the time my kids were born and i think the guy dean edwards was the guy that was doing eddie murphy for the oh really i think that's what it was because i know at least he can do a really good uh eddie murphy impression okay yeah that would i mean another snl guy it's got to be weird to like be be eddie murphy when he doesn't want to do it yeah you remember when there was the cartoon Aladdin on television mm-hmm. and it was the Homer Simpson voice was it filling in for Robin Williams. Oh yeah. Uh, Dan Castellaneta. Mm-hmm. And he was, yeah, which I can see would be a, a, a great fit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one, I think there was somebody who was, they did one of those cartoon versions of uh, a movie. And then the, the actual actor was like, yeah, I'll do it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're not doing anything, it. I don't know, but a certain maybe at a certain point, I'm the kind of guy that'll say yes to anything because it's work. 
So, yeah. but if you just me, did me back too. to the yeah. future, you'd be like, nah, I'm good. You know? Um, yeah. The, the choice to not work if you don't have to, has to be amazing. Yeah. And I think that's probably why Mike Myers, like with that role in the gong show was like, no, we'll just, it will just be this guy. We won't even advertise. I'm the host. Yeah. And because what, what do I care? What is it going to do for me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To have no pressure. Cause then everybody's like, oh, it's Mike Myers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and then it's a- an added, like, I'm like, is that Mike Myers? You know, like just kind of right. a fun thing. Um, my well, favorite, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to make sure that we talk about the sequel of Wayne's World as well. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Just just because, I like, it's not nearly as good as the first one. Mm-hmm. It's a sequel of sketch characters turned into a movie. Yeah. But it's still got some funny stuff, and it has a natural evolution of the story from where they did the first one. Mm-hmm. What I like about the Wayne's World movies, too, is I love when these silly movies break the fourth wall and talk to the audience. And when they have silly things like opening the, the door to the room full of the uh, mercenaries training and like, <laughs> or the, that uh, sort of stuff. the, the bit, well, ha- he's talking about selling out yeah. and then he's wearing all that pizza hut stuff or yeah. doing the, the, the Scooby-Doo ending or the super mega Scooby-Doo ending. You know, those are yeah. bits, but it's also like, it's play. It's a comedy movie, so nobody gives a shit. If it was a drama, and then you did that, you'd be like, "What is this?" You know. But yeah. those, yeah, those funny bits and the it's they're all music based, so it's hard to get mad at a movie based on music because everybody wants to hear the same songs over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And it just uh, didn't the second one have a whole bunch of uh, rock stars like Alice Cooper and stuff? Uh, Alice Cooper was in the first one. Okay. But then the second one, cause it was Wayne stock. They had, yeah, there was a bunch of cameos and, and was Aerosmith in the second one? I think that, and then he had like a vision quest with Jim Morrison, I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, getting a, getting a little more stretched on the ideas there maybe in the sequel, but still as far as sequels go, no problem. Wayne's world two. I'll still watch it. It it reminds me of when there's a celebrity on The Simpsons and just just for no reason, you know. Oh, yeah. hey, it's Blink One Eighty Two, and then each one of them gets to say a line. Yeah, far out, dude. And yeah, <laughs> I rem- I just saw the Metallica episode with The Simpsons, and it's just like oh. that doesn't rock, you know. Like <laughs> uh, Joe Perry, yeah, it's uh, Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, so Aerosmith, um. I'm trying to see if there's uh, there's a guy named Concert Nerd, just so you know. Uh, I'm not seeing the other... Is that it? Maybe they just alluded to yeah, other maybe. musicians. I, don't know. I feel like there were more in there, but either way, um, yeah, I I still like that movie too. And just the the, scene, the iconic scene of them and the, what is it, the gremlin listening, listening to Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Just, I mean... That that gets played just talking about Queen. That's not even like a Wayne's World reference. Yeah, and it, it's crazy. I listened to an interview with Mike Myers where he said that when they pitched that, the studio absolutely did not want to do it because Queen wasn't popular anymore. Mm-hmm. And they wanted they were like, why not use somebody contemporary like Guns N' Roses? Mm-hmm. 
and he fought and fought and fought and then it becomes you know i mean that's a very iconic moment yeah. in film well and the thing is maybe if they did welcome to the jungle it might have still been cool anyway you know but just yeah. that's just you know that song and the band and what they become uh yeah it's iconic and I, you know, I heard somewhere that that just they did take after take after take of that. I believe it. Well, and it has the the great like the back and forth vocals and the guy in the back seats like throwing up and he's like, "Let me go." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was perfect choice. Like he knew why he chose that song specifically. You yeah. Know? Um, let's talk about MacGruber because that's the one I hadn't seen, and I watched I watched that, and I watched uh, the Ladies Man. So. Uh, what? How do you feel about MacGruber? Came out in 2010, by the way. Yeah, I've only seen it once, and I remember uh, I was a dad, so that began my era of having to watch movies in like three installments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember it being way funnier than I thought it could ever have been, based and, on like the the idea of them making a full length movie out of those MacGrubers. I didn't understand how it would translate. And then I learned afterwards that Will Forte is a genius, and mm-hmm. it, I it was I liked it a lot. Um, I I don't I heard just good thing. Maybe it was one of those where it was built up so much because I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's fine, but nothing. Again, it could have been just overhyped for me. There are great lines in it that I wrote down, like uh, it's Kristen Wiig and she's like, "I'm a virgin," and he's like, "Not for long." <laughs> When he dresses her up like him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he's having the loudest, weirdest sex with Kristen Bell. Kristen Wiig, sorry. Uh, just, and he, like, usually it's the woman moaning. It's just the weirdest, like, oh, God, please be quiet. <laughs> and then when he's finished, when he finishes after he has sex with her and then he goes to the graveside of his wife. Uh, and her ghost appears and he bangs her on the headstone. <laughs> when he finishes, it, the, he's like, I'm going to shoot. <laughs> and then the wife is like, yeah, I'm going to shoot too. <laughs> Just, I did like the running joke of him grabbing the CD player out of the car, out of the, the oh, two-seater. I don't even remember. Yeah, it was like, you know. It's weird because it's a modern day, but what is it supposed to be like 80s or whatever? So all the music is 80s. When he gets out of the car, he t- he grabs the CD player so nobody steals uh, it. Um, and a lot of a lot of throat ripping. I like that. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't use guns, but he's like, I have a bolt, a wrench, and be on the lookout for a brown egg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the main villain played by... Um, Who's the guy that played Batman and he was uh, Doc Holliday? I can't remember his name. Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah, Val Kilmer. His yep. his uh, his name is uh, Cunth, C-U-N-T-H. <laughs> um, just, it was just, it's a fun movie, but it was it was fine. And he's trying to defuse the bomb and he's like, all these wires, I'm more of a three-wire kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, for a, a, a parody of a show that was like 20 years old, I mean, it's yeah. not... I don't know. It was fine, but I don't know. You seem to like it more than I do, which I don't. I didn't think it was terrible either. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe on a second watch, maybe it wouldn't hold up as much. But it, you're right when some when people build something up to you. I saw somebody was posting about what an underrated movie 
the other guys mm-hmm. was. And then I watched that and I had the same I had the reaction you had where I was like, there's a collection of funny lines in this movie, mm-hmm. but the movie is not good. That's how I felt uh, with that one too. And even though um Will Farrell and what's the guy's name? Uh Adam I don't know, his his co writer and he directed the movie. Oh yeah, uh oh man, I can't think of his name right now. But they make yeah. good movies, you know? Yeah. It's just they can't all be good. And the problem, I think, with those movies in particular is they get too into the idea that if we just let these funny people talk, they're going to make really funny scenes. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the movie Talladega Nights. And that was like the most quoted movie from eighth grade to high school for me, you know. Yeah, and there's a scene, well, several scenes, but I can remember one in particular where it's Sasha Baron Cohen mm-hmm. and Will Ferrell face-to-face having an argument, and I was so disappointed because those are such funny people. Mm-hmm. And I just did not feel, the movie felt like a, a collection of filmed improvs that were edited into a movie. Yeah. Yeah, and even though like there's so many moments in that movie that are so quotable now, Mm-hmm. And but even now I, I will say a few quotes, but I never wanted to be the guy in high school that was either Anchorman or Ricky Bobby or you know or Napoleon Dynamite. The, all those yeah. guys. Uh, Adam Adam McKay was the other McKay, guy. McKay, yeah, yeah. Who, if you've not seen um, Vice about uh, Dick Cheney, I haven't. Is really good. I mean, I I've made the joke before on Twitter, but uh, I when he. I gained all that weight to play Dick Cheney. I also gained all that weight so he could play Dick Cheney. <laughs> Christian Bale. So, yeah. Um, what, what was the the first one that he made? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? You there? I lost you for a second. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you said what, what was, was the the, the movie? Yeah, what you was got the, it. the the first one that he made? Adam McKay. It wasn't it called The Big yeah. Short? Was that it? Yeah. That. Yeah. And I haven't seen that either. And I own that because I bought it because I liked Vice so much, but I haven't watched it yet. It was like five dollars at Best Buy. Um, but I think I feel like Adam McKay is just a, a really, really good fi- uh, filmmaker. So, um. But we're not talking about him right now. We're talking about no, SNL movies. <laughs> Any other thoughts on MacGruber? No, it's been too long since I've seen it, and I've only seen it once. I just remember laughing and enjoying it, so now I feel like I need to watch it again to see if it holds up to what my opinion was. Yeah, now I dis- I don't uh, respect you as much in your comedy IQ. <laughs> no, it's a fine movie. Uh, you watch Superstar. I just, it was the only one of these I'd never seen. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, and I only, I bring this up just to show my bias. I was never a big fan of Molly Shannon okay. on Saturday Night Live. And I particularly didn't like that character. Why? Why? Because it was kind of say something and then fall through something? Yeah. I felt like, and I know that, I know that when I say this, a person can say, yeah, that's all of them. But I felt like that particular era of Saturday Night Live was very catchphrase and reoccurring character based. Mm-hmm. And it, 
so and they were all very physical characters. Mm-hmm. It's the Spartans and Mango and Mary Catherine Gallagher and all of Molly Shands of the the fifty year old woman that would kick her leg. Mm-hmm. And my biggest beef with it is that I thought Molly Shannon's pratfalls were terrible. Okay. Though, cause I, I have always tried to be a very physical comedian when doing characters and mm-hmm. be willing to do stuff and falls was something that I was always into, but I like, I like put a lot of work into it and yeah. figuring it out. And I've hurt myself a lot, but I also like, I had my friends that did pro wrestling teach me, how to take bumps and that mm-hmm. sort of thing to make, make it look better. And I felt like Molly Shannon's were too choreographed and too safe. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're coming off an era of Chris Farley smashing through stuff, mm-hmm. it, it always bothered. My mother loved that character and Molly Shannon's characters in general. So I never watched that movie. I just watched it and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you subjected yourself to something you hate for this show. <laughs> Had you, have you seen it? I'd seen it. It's been. It was kind of like it was one of those HBO Showtime movies that okay. was always on, and it's been so long. But I, you know, um, isn't it Will Ferrell's kind of the the male lead in that one too? Yeah, and Harlan Williams is the the other love interest. That's, man, Harlan Williams is so funny. His stand up yeah. is really funny. Um. But yeah, I remember there's some kind of like performance competition right at the end. Yeah, it's a very simple idea. She wants to be a star mm-hmm. and she ends up auditioning and it's like it's a talent show competition mm-hmm. and then you win a trip to Hollywood if you win it. And that's kind of... The premise of the movie is her trying to get kissed is the main storyline. She's kissing and making out with a tree. Yeah. And I mean, there was some funny stuff in the movie. Sure. But it just, the, I, to take a character who didn't have a whole lot, like Mm -hmm. the, the character sketch was she comes into audition for something and she always does a monologue Mm -hmm. from something that's probably like inappropriate for the setting Mm -hmm. and really intense and then she falls down <laughs> through something. Uh, I like so, just hearing you just break it down. <laughs> yeah. And so to, to be like, you know what? Let's not do like, like I said, Wayne Campbell and Garth, they leave the basement and go out into the world. And then the premise of the movie only touches back on what the sketch was in the idea that it's their show mm-hmm. and it's getting poached by somebody. Yeah. They just took a Mary Catherine Gallagher sketch and tried to stretch it out and fill in things to make a, a movie out of the audition, essentially. Yeah. Like leading up to the audition and whatever. And like Will Ferrell was funny in it because Will Ferrell is funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also things about it where I understand I'm just not the demographic for it. Mm-hmm. I think if you were into musical theater, you probably would appreciate some of the things more i also realized as i'm scrolling through this list it's the only female led of any of these movies well wait yeah. pat but that she's yeah. played an introduction yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so there were two female cast members that got movies mm-hmm. uh which out of 11 not a high ratio mm-hmm. and 
So I'm sure that there's just some there where like a woman or a girl when it came out at the demographic it was aimed towards mm-hmm. probably would like that a lot more than I would have watching it when it came out. Mm-hmm. So I take that into consideration, uh, but it just is not for me. Okay. I, I re- yeah, I remember just quoting those sketches as a, as a kid and, you know, she puts her hands under her armpits and smells mm-hmm. them like that when she gets that, that was always funny to me. But when you you, know, you put it of you know say something and then fall, it, it you know it's formulaic. But also, I I I love the Three Stooges and you know somebody's getting hit with a pie, and somebody's going to be wearing a gorilla suit. Yeah, and if I'm saying it in a condescending way, I could explain yeah, Matt no, Foley, the motivational speaker, in the same way and make <laughs> it you know it's just it, it uh yeah it, it's they're all formulaic. They're sketches. They yeah. they follow a formula. And the biggest thing that was pointed out to me when I was young is that not everybody's watching every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't know that the same thing happens every time. Well, even when I do videos and I'm hesitant to say the cert- same, you know, kind of uh, tentpole jokes, I'm like, somebody hasn't seen the the last two videos. So I'll I'll say something that I've said before and, and I'll get comments of like, man, that was great. I'm like, so either you saw it the three in the three videos or you didn't see it at all. Do you have people who will be like, hey, you didn't say this this time? Yeah, because, uh, you know, the the one that everybody loves is when I say I'm pissed off, you know, like just <laughs> I, I don't I don't know why that's funny, but it is to me. But it's also like I was saying it every video and, you know, or I'll I'll say, you know, what on flat earth. Or mm-hmm. um, one that's even some guy went out of his way because I was like, everybody's so political, uh, politically correct these days. As, you know, even our damn uh, Siberian orchestras is trans now. Yeah. You know, like that kind of. And I've said that in two or three videos. And some guy was like, when are you going to get a new joke? And it, <laughs> <laughs> how, I mean, how many of those have you made at this point? How many of these videos? Yeah, a bunch. And it's. <laughs> It's also like I'm sorry that this free entertainment is not good good enough for you, you know. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got some fans who are you know friends as well who will message me sometimes and be like, hey, I noticed that when you did the that joke this time, you said it this way instead of the way that you normally say it. Did you decide like blah blah? And I was like, nah, dude, I just forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, man, that, I just. My dad's my what? What do you call stenographer? Uh, so yeah. he'll be like, he'll be like, hey, I, I realized on your album because I let him listen to an advanced copy. Privileges mm-hmm. of being a dad. He's like, <laughs> he's a he's like when Jasper tells the uh, Spirit Quest story, you say it this way, but in the original version, I was like, yeah, Dad. Like Jasper also drinks three beers in eight minutes on stage, <laughs> and it was my. Uh, second performance of the night already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had two more to go and it was live. Like sometimes, sometimes when shit can slip through the cracks. Yeah. So, and it's also live. It's not like you're reading in the studio where you got to hit the beats, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I think we have four more, so we'll, we can talk briefly about some of these. Let's uh, night at the Roxbury. I saw that for the first time about within the past two years. Mm-hmm. And I again, I did could not figure out how they were going to make a movie out of that sketch. Mm-hmm. 
and it's weird that like oh they work at their parents' flower shop. Their dad's flower shop, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it came out in '98, and I'm just looking at Will Ferrell, and he's got like that. I don't know. It was a very 1998 haircut where like the bangs come down, and yeah. out, like to me, it's reminiscent of my brother just wearing Airwalk tennis shoes and cargo <laughs> shorts and pants. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, and, that's a very '90s look that he's got going. And as I, I hadn't, I haven't seen that in a while. That was another one of those superstar type movies, the HBO ones. But I, I remember it being funny. Um, I probably wouldn't find it as funny now, just because it is kind of the same gimmick throughout the whole movie. But I didn't think it was terrible either. No, I remember I was surprised at the story that they were able to create. Out of this, uh, not terribly impressed, but it. I know that it was better than what I anticipated it being, mm-hmm. which was a very low bar. Yeah. But I didn't, I wasn't angry at yeah. watching it. I watched it because it's free on like Prime or something like that. And mm-hmm. I watched it and I was fine with it. I call these types of movies TBS Saturday afternoon movies. <laughs> well, at the end of this article, just it says there's not much uh, to work with, but Catan's enthusiasm and Feral star power make for a breezy, inoffensive way to kill a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, it's one of the, it's a Nailed TBS. It. You know, when when Shawshank is not on, you can watch this. <laughs> um, Coneheads was I I've seen bits and pieces and I watched the trailer uh, for it and I can't imagine I just want to see like a by the way because the Coneheads was a sketch in the 70s and the movie came out in 93 yeah I think this falls into that Dan Aykroyd not knowing what the hell he was doing with mm-hmm. his career at this point I it really seems like I think for one Aykroyd has had stacks of scripts mm-hmm. for decades and he's had ideas about what to do with these characters. Mm-hmm. And so every once in a while he like gets on a tangent and gets somebody to make one of them. Yeah. Because it, I mean, you talk to him, he's got ideas about a, what they're doing it now about a Ghostbusters universe. Mm-hmm. And I think Coneheads must've been one of those where he like had had an idea for a movie for a long time. Was it written? I'm assuming it was written by Aykroyd. I'll have to look it up. You go, you can go ahead. Yeah. But uh, yeah, very strange to resurrect something like that. And like kind of a bummer because uh, Lorraine Newman had played the daughter in the sketches, but obviously can't play a teenager yeah. in 1993. So she just got X out of the movies. <laughs> Or yeah, the movie and yeah, uh, and it, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say saving grace of that movie because I remember Coneheads. I remember watching it and being like, "Well, this is uh, I mean, as bad as good as this can get, it's fine." But it was Farley's like big break. It, it was like the testing ground of Chris Farley to see if he was gonna work in a movie, mm-hmm. and he was he was really good in it. Yeah, it's it says written screenplay written by Tom Davis, Dan Aykroyd, Bonnie Turner, and Terry Turner. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Dan Aykroyd had a big piece of that, you know. Yeah, and the Turners and uh, who was the other person? Uh, Tom Davis. Tom Davis, yeah. So all three of them are like the the fixers that SNL movies and the SNL cast members when they 
would get their own movies. Those are the people, them and Fred Wolf, that they would bring in to write the movies with them okay. to like take their ideas. And then, and then later, like Sandler got hooked up with Tim Hurley. He is was his co-writer on a bunch of stuff. Okay, but they take a more experienced writer and pair them with the young comedian and help them develop the script. Whereas that sounds like Aykroyd just you know pulled in some of the hired guns and mm-hmm. hammered out a Coneheads. Maybe they had a something left on a contract with a production company. And they didn't like any of the new stuff they had going on at the moment and went with Coneheads. It seems a very odd thing. Yeah, and you know, at that point, twenty years after that sketch, it might it might not not well be an SNL movie. Their characters were on there, but it's yeah. so distance. I just was watching the trailer and I just I would like to see a twenty twenty version of the Coneheads and how everybody's telling them to go back to their home planet. Oh yeah. You, yeah, really delve into some racism. It's not even racism; it's uh, pla- planetism. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't even know at that point, but you, you know, you would have to address how weird they look and how shitty people can be. Yeah. Um, we also have the the one that I wanted to watch, but I couldn't find without paying uh, more money uh, for was the Stewart movie. I saw that. I feel like the same time that I saw It's Pat, that had to be close to the same. Look at, yeah, one year apart. Yeah. Also, my mom rented on VHS. My mom loved Stuart Smalley. Mm-hmm. And I loved those sketches, too. Like, I really liked the character. And I think the movie just wasn't funny enough. Mm-hmm. I think it had a storyline, and it had... I'd, I'd have to see it again because it's been a long time, but I just remember it not being funny and definitely wasn't geared towards a 13 year old, which I was yeah. at the time. Well, even in this, it, you know, it, it talks about addiction and working a 12 step program. What, you yeah. know, what kid is once that in a movie? Yeah. Very subdued character for, I'm sure what my comedic tastes were at the time, mm-hmm. which I'm going to assume this was also right around the time that Adam Sandler was putting out Billy Madison yeah, yeah. and Happy Gilmore. <laughs> uh, I did watch the trailer and it made me, I had two really good jokes that I wrote down, but the first one was my father grew up during the Great Depression, uh, his mother's Great Depression. <laughs> <laughs> and then some lady's talking to Stuart and uh, she's like, I knew you when you were this tall and this wide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's those are still good jokes, you know. Yeah, and Franken's a great writer, so I would imagine there's probably a lot of good jokes in that movie. Yeah, and that's one where I've not seen, but I would go back and watch, you know, seek out afterwards to see if it's funnier now. Yeah, I have not seen it, but as you said, probably not for a 12 year old kid. Yeah, probably appreciate it a little bit more now. Um, and then I think that's all of them besides the ladies' man. That was the other one that I watched. Uh, free on one of these services, Prime, maybe. Um, if that's free, I want to watch that now again. Yeah. Like, to to me, our, my favorites are, you know, Blues Brothers and The Ladies' Man. Yeah. Just could, so many good jokes. The Ladies' Man translated into a movie really well. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because, like, that character, It was, it's not a stretch to think of what his his apartment looks like and yeah. what his 
his relationships with other and the other people he would have relationships mm-hmm. with. And you know what you say with Coneheads with Farley, this wasn't this the movie that was really like the Will Ferrell introduction as yeah, well. He, he was essentially the 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 main villain of you know because the ladies' man is banging everybody's wives. Yeah. So uh, there's another guy that's kind of a secondary villain, but it seems like Farrell is the most scorned. Um, always talking about wrestling as best friend. You know, he's obvious he's gay at yeah. the end. Um, and I like that you said it was the ladies' man apartment because he lives on a houseboat, <laughs> 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 like a uh, lava lamps everywhere, and uh, yeah. boot, they had booty oil. Uh, <laughs> um, this was another one that I I just quoted with people. It's so quotable, but it's like, if you are rich and would like to be bone, please meet me by the nacho cart. <laughs> I remember the character Ladies Man was surprising because Meadows had been on SNL for a while mm-hmm. without a reoccurring character. Mm-hmm. And then that landed. I wonder who created that character. That I, I'd have to go back and look because they just nailed it. And the sketches were funny mm-hmm. and repeat sketches again they're formulaic it's but it stayed funny and the movie was funny the only thing i remember specifically out of the movie was at the end when Will Ferrell's trying to wrestle him and he keeps trying to get him to put oil on yeah. he's like are you, sure, are you sure you don't want oil he's like nah i'm good <laughs> uh, this this movie also has uh, john witherspoon you know him as pops from friday yeah. just uh-huh. as like a secondary character and that was just that's he's one of the the best stand up comedians I've seen live. Uh, I've heard that, but also just that character of just him, just like commenting on things when he they're having like this bar food eat off, and he's like, "You want to put some hot sauce on that?" Like just how he says things <laughs> is funny. Um, I, I would love to see Johnny Witherspoon when he was young because I've never seen that before. Yeah, when I I worked with him one night at the one of the clubs here in Indy, and I was just driving him to the hotel, and he was telling me how he you know came up with Richard Pryor. Yeah, like so it, this guy has just been around forever, and all people really know of him is uh, don't go in there for thirty five, forty five minutes, and like you know it's a great role, but there, he's done so much more. Yeah, I loved him on the Wayans Brothers sitcom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just, the dude's just a character. Yeah, yeah, um, he's great. But he he passed away in the past few years, right? In the past year, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the just the backstory of the ladies' man. He's left on the steps of the of essentially uh, the Playboy Mansion. It doesn't say that. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, narrated by Billy D. Williams. Uh, he's like, yeah, I'm like a Mother Teresa of Bonin. <laughs> uh, with your dad a meat burglar, cause he looks like he took two fine hams and shoved them up your dress. <laughs> like a, a meat burglar. And he, he, he sees this lady by, uh, around the bar, so he orders two fish sandwiches and he walks over to hit on her. And she was like, right off the bat, she's like, do you want to go back to my place? And he's like, so you don't want a fish sandwich. <laughs> uh, I'm going to watch it. I know that's on prime. I'm pretty sure I saw it. it yeah, so it I'm gonna... 
Uh, I got to watch that. Right before the radio break, he goes, uh, coming right back, we're going to have your answers to the survey. What is your favorite hole? <laughs> like, just jokes that are so funny. Um, he's re-auditioned. He loses his radio job, and he's got to go find another one, so they're listening to an air check, just a tape of his shows. And the first segment is like, yeah, we're talking about doggy style. And the guy's like, oh, it's... And and his producer's like, no, it's not all about that. And they fast forward. And he's like, yeah, so with doggy style. uh, (laughs) And then they fast forward a little bit more. And it's just like him like coughing or sneezing. And he's like, so back to doggy style. (laughs) (laughs) Just so, so many jokes in this movie. Um, And yeah, it just kind of lended itself to being a real movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I remember it being, I, I know when it came out, people saying it was the, like the first good SNL movie since what it probably Wayne's world Two. Yeah. I bet at the time. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, many, many years go by before. And then they finally, they put out MacGruber, which probably didn't do great, but like people know it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the, you know, it was, didn't do great, but then all, you know, all these comedians are like, dude, you got to see MacGruber. So yeah, one of those that had a cult following, you know? Um, and I, I texted you and I said, what SNL characters do you think should have had their own movies or lend themselves to having their own movie? Yeah. And I was having a hard time with it because I saw that you did some crowdsourcing for it as well. Mm -hmm. And I was looking down people's lists and there were good recommendations and it comes down to what characters would I like to see have their own movie or what characters might actually make a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> because there's some, I would, a Stefan movie I would have watched. Mm-hmm. No problem. I would have watched Stefan. I put, taken him to all those weird places that he talks about. Like <laughs> that, that would have been great. Uh, my favorite current character on SNL is Cecily Strong's character, Kathy Ann. Is that the one that's always in like the support group or something? No, she's on. She's a weekend update character where okay. she's like she's a crackhead. And she's got a cigarette that she's always starting to light but never gets it lit. <laughs> and she has this wonderful way of like she talking about current events and like really burning the politicians and the people she's talking about mm-hmm. while coming from the the voice of this street person like. <laughs> piece of garbage yeah that's really funny love Uh, the character just you describing it to me i want you know i need to go check out that that sketch um we had uh, brian fellows yeah oh man i would have watched brian fellows movie for sure uh yeah and some of these i'll definitely watch but it's also you know do they even deserve a movie because and then some people were like posted a picture of stewart from mad tv Like not even the same show. I don't, I don't know who it was. I don't want to make him feel bad, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw Jonathan Findler said Woodrow, which, if I'm remembering correctly, was a two sketch character that Tracy Morgan did, where he was a homeless guy in the sewer. And the, there's one with Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Kate Hudson and Britney Spears are the two that they did, and they were hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I quote it all the time because when he picks up like a 
board or something, puts up zero and goes, hello, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. <laughs> and then puts it down. And a couple of seconds later, can I be honest? That wasn't a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of these would be like uh, if there was a movie and you just needed like a secondary background character. Yes. Like, would just lend themselves to being, you know, and then the other one John Findler said was Debbie Downer, which. Oh, God. <laughs> 90 minutes of just depressing things. Yeah. Well, looking at these gave me the idea. Did you ever watch any of those sketch movies like uh, Kentucky Fried Movie and Amazon Women on the Moon? Um, I, I did watch, I'm trying to think of, there was like, uh, I know it's really bad, but it was like, was it movie 42? Was that oh, one, yeah, the yeah. one? I think so. I haven't seen that one, but I think that is another one. Yeah. It's odd that they never did that with SNL because think if you created a movie where you chose somebody to be a lead role mm-hmm. and then you had going throughout the movie, drunk uncle is their uncle at their family dinner mm-hmm. and then Stefan is in the movie taking you to some nightclub mm-hmm. and do these little sketch vignettes with these different characters in a through line mm-hmm. of like whatever bullshit romantic comedy that you're making. Yeah, it w- seems like that could be very funny. That would re it reminds me of um like the first Muppet movie. Yeah. Where it was like, you know, we got all these we got all these ingredients. We just need to get to them. Yeah, which it seems like a road movie is the easiest way to do that because that's what Joe Dirt is. It's what mm-hmm. Pee Wee's Big Adventure is. Yeah. By changing locations, you can keep like literally flipping what's happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then you just run out at the end of the scene and get to the next scene and start over again. Yeah, it's a reset. It's it's weird because it, it, it's funny that you say that they haven't done that. And then you can also be like, you want to see a dirty version of this, you know, because there's yeah. only so much you can get away with on SNL. Um, yeah. Gwen Sunkel said a uh, hot tub couple. I don't, oh, I don't know oh, if that those... can last a whole movie, but I, th- those characters are so funny to me. And again, put them in this movie where you, one character goes through and then they end up in a hot tub with that couple for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you can extend it because it can become now like a, 15 to 18 minutes chunk of your movie Mm -hmm. where you fall them out of the hot tub into their weird lodge that you're staying in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they had a great straight man to play through the center of that movie. Yeah. It would, it would almost, I don't even like maybe even just a celebrity playing themselves. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, the, the Pee Wee movie they made for Netflix where it was the guy from, uh, what was he on true blood or something? Oh, I haven't seen that movie. Any... It's weird. There's so much stuff and they've released a new Pee Wee movie and I'm like, I haven't even watched it, you know? Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. Okay. I mean, it's, I, I'm a big Pee Wee fan, so I'll watch it and I wasn't disappointed by it, mm-hmm. but I also like my expectations were extremely high for it. Yeah. It, but it still stays true to the character and they do, weird stylized stuff and I had fun with it. Um, I'm trying to think, I can't believe Jimmy Fallon didn't get a movie out of an SNL character because he was so obviously a star. Mm-hmm. And I he mean, had he got a that lot taxi of recurring... cab movie, right? Didn't that? 
in Fever Pitch, he got movies, yeah. but he went more like the Sandler route where they just like started casting him in things and mm-hmm. like, well, I guess Sandler was writing his own stuff, but they pushed him just as an actor more so. Then let's do this character type thing. Yeah, I used to really like uh, that Jarrett's Room where it was the the web series, like the video blog where it was him and Horatio Sands in the yeah. dorm room. Wearing like a mesh shirt or something, right? Yeah. You'd think they could have, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of characters who were popular enough I could have seen them getting a movie, but I don't know how many of them would have been good. Most of them probably would have been Superstar. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is we were talking, uh, it's funny for 10 minutes, but Uh you got to have a through line and more than just being the one-note joke type thing. Even though I I don't think one-note joke is a bad term, and I'm not trying to talk bad about it but it's you got to have more substance than that too yeah it's got to have legs like i mean i do a million characters and i know the uh the weight each one carries Mm -hmm. and there's some characters where i'll do them like you know what i think this guy could host his own show Mm -hmm. and be like the center for other things and then there's other characters where it's like I, this guy doesn't even shouldn't even have a voice. Mm-hmm. Like he should only yeah. be in the background doing yeah. something or he, whatever. You know, he shouldn't fill the allotted time I've been given. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, like, any other any other thoughts on the SNL movies before we wrap this up? I would love to see them do more. I like I was saying with all these streaming services, I would love to see some. Uh, They've, it's also strange they've never done like a sitcom with any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a spinoff sitcom. Just, you know, and, and then that could be your vehicle to get all these characters in something, whether it be a movie or a sitcom. And with the, the way you can film stuff now, a million dollars is not a ton. You right. Know, in the grand scheme of things, give somebody a million dollars and let them make a movie. Yeah, especially... Like, when you had people like those Lonely Island guys who now they've gone on to do all these things. I mean, they could have, if they would have given them a budget when they were still there doing it, mm-hmm. which I guess Lorne Michaels probably has a hand in what they're doing at this point as mm-hmm. well. Uh, yeah, it's and it's weird because you see people that aren't on SNL. They're not traditional comedians, but some of the videos people are making online, good quality, mm-hmm. really funny, and you're just like, I don't know, but that's the problem is everybody's making good quality, funny videos anymore. Did you watch the Between Two Ferns movie? I didn't. That is exactly what we've been talking about, where it's taking the idea and then trying to stretch it out. It's fine. It's funny, Mm -hmm. but it's not. If you really love Between Two Ferns, then it's funny and it can keep your attention, but doesn't need to be a feature length movie Mm -hmm. for the storyline that they cook up and everything else. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre. And now stuff doesn't even have to be a feature. No, besides the creators, nobody cares how long something is. There's especially like when you've gotten rid of advertising. Mm -hmm. And so things don't have to meet a certain time. I know that, you know, he's uh, not a great person to reference at this point, but Louis C.K., he did that show. He's not a good person. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, But that show, Horace and Pete, that he made, where he was like, fuck it. 
it doesn't matter how long an episode is. An mm-hmm. episode can be an hour long or it can be 18 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it tells the story that you're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. That's how long the episode is. Yeah. And I thought that was a brilliant approach. And I think a lot of podcasts are that way where you kind of have like a benchmark that you try to hit. Mm-hmm. And then, but if you're not, you know, if you're not having to have commercial breaks and fill X amount of time, I think that's the only reason standards get set. Yeah. You got to, you got to stretch and fill the time to make that money. Yeah. Um, so speaking of being, you know, over time, we're about an hour and 19 minutes over the, <laughs> longer than this recording should be. Uh, yeah, that's so, a long time. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for being on plug, plug, whatever you need to plug. Uh, an evening with the authors, uh, only podcast currently, no live shows happening, but when we're up again, you can, the social media, it's, uh, on Instagram, it's at fake authors, I N D Y on Facebook. It is an evening with the authors. That is also how you will find the podcast wherever you listen. Uh, you will be on the next episode, uh, from right now. And in the future, when you go back to listen, it will be season three, episode six. And what character is that? Is that Phil DeGraves? No, uh, this is going to be oh, Brett okay. yeah. the redneck you love to hate. Uh, you, yeah, that's not a character. Uh, <laughs> 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 and yeah, if you definitely like SNL stuff, because all these are character based, if you like that kind of stuff, listen to evening with the authors watch the videos because all these are essentially a characters created to uh, to fuel a sketch with one person yeah they're essentially sketch monologues yeah is that low budget on the podcast yeah on the <laughs> podcast there's interview episodes as well so mm-hmm. where there's interplay so if a character's got a little more legs to it mm-hmm. then it can will go to an interview segment beyond just the reading from the live show Cool. Yeah, check out Evening with the Authors and look for Isaac's album uh, Live from the White Rabbit, right? Yep. Yeah, and it uh, will be out June 12th. Okay. Cool, man. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you could just do me a quick favor, whatever platform you listen to the field trip on, just give me a positive review for the show. If you don't mind, and if you could tell a friend about the show, that would be even better. If you want to know more about me, brentcomedy.com is the website and updated tour schedules over there, uh, links to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can pick up your emotional support beer koozies over there. And if you want a shirt that I've been wearing in one of my videos, go to teespring.com and search for Brent Terhune. All that stuff is right there on the website. So thank you again for listening, and we'll see you on the next field trip.